Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hello and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. The intention of this podcast is to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle. I'm 42 and expecting baby number two, while my son, Alexandre, is one and a half years old. Today, we're talking about parenting with post-traumatic stress disorder, the impact of childhood abuse on parenting. So let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Hey everyone, Heather Fox here, co-host of Parent Talk. I am 40 years old and my son Hudson is also a year and a half. Hi, I'm Joyelle and I am the co-editor of the book Parenting with PTSD. I am a mom of two little boys aged 5 and 10 and I spend my days writing and making art. Well, thank you ladies for being here. So, Joelle, what is exactly post-traumatic stress disorder? Post-traumatic stress disorder refers to a dysregulation of our nervous system and some wiring that gets mixed up in our brain when we experience trauma. So what happens is that our fight-flight-freeze response, which is something that is designed to help us get out of an emergency situation, never returns to the stasis at the end of an experience. What happens is that we live in that slightly elevated, hyper-aroused state of feeling unsafe in our bodies. And what happens on a long-term basis as a result of that is often anxiety, depression, struggling with flashbacks, addiction, and chronic health issues. Parenting with post-traumatic stress disorder book focuses on parents who are survivors of child abuse. What are some of the symptoms that uh, abuse survivors might experience through their life as a result of uh, PTSD? I guess we can say PTSD instead of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, right? Yes. So for people who experience childhood abuse, they have something called complex PTSD which refers to the kind of PTSD that comes when you are abused by somebody who's in a position of trust. So in addition to the more common experiences we are familiar with, like flashbacks, you will also have uh, difficulty trusting other people, difficulty connecting to other people, low self-worth is definitely very common, and a feeling of hypervigilance all the time that you're constantly on guard and constantly looking for a way out or uh, making sure that you're not about to be attacked, even in situations where you can say to yourself, I know logically I'm safe in this situation. I'm at home and I'm around people who I know are safe. But because of the early trauma, your brain is not able to relax into that state that you should be able to be in. And you're always having that feeling of just a little bit on edge. You say that most survivors experience a resurgence of uh, PTSD triggers when they become parents. Why is that? So I'm going to talk about what dads commonly experience and then what moms commonly experience Mm -hmm. during this time. So for dads, a big fear is, will I become an abuser? 
because that's all I've known. I haven't had that positive role model and I don't know that I can do this. Now, of course, moms also have that fear. But in addition to that, when moms go through childbirth, those moms who give, give birth to their children as opposed to adopting, they can also go through a lot of experiences throughout their pregnancy and delivery that can be very triggering for them. I know one experience for me that was really triggering was during my second pregnancy, I had something called round ligament pains. And they were these sudden sharp stabbing pains in my pelvic region. The onset of those sudden pains, which really would have been minor to somebody else because they only lasted a few seconds and then it was over. Again, it engaged that fight, flight, freeze response. And every time that happened, it would bring in this feeling in my body again of being unsafe. And uh, I know that Heather has also had some experience with this when she went through childbirth. Um, yeah, so for me, um, I started experiencing some flashbacks in my early 20s and did therapy and kind of worked through things. And then when I met my husband, I was now in my mid-30s and I'd kind of gotten past all that, so I thought. <laughs> so, and then when we did become pregnant, then it started to kind of stir up some feelings. I dealt with a lot of pelvic pain. I was also recovering from a car accident, which wasn't helping the whole pain situation. I also have naturally a very hypermobile joints. So the extra relaxant in my body made my pelvis dis, um, separate and dislocate. So I was dealing with a lot of pain down there and kind of going through that. One of the big fears I had with childbirth was um, the internal exams that were going to be happening because throughout the different points in my adulthood, I experienced a condition called vaginismus. Um, for those who are not familiar with that, and what it is is um, an involuntary contraction of the vaginal walls, so nothing can penetrate. So you can't wear a tampon, you can't have an exam, you can't even you know, check yourself basically. So, so I'd had that on and on through the years as an adult and gone to different therapy for that as well as with pelvic floor physio and things like that. But I was very, very nervous of these um, exams that they would do to check, you know, your dilation and things like that. And so I was working with a midwife and a doula and they'd assured me that, you know, it would be my choice if I wanted to have these exams and things like this. But when push came to shove, I ended up with preeclampsia. So things had to change dramatically and I ended up having to go for an induction. And when the first way that they were going to be inducing me was to put a cervical gel. Again, my brain logically knew this is what needs to be done because my body has to give birth. I need to get baby out for both of us to be safe. But my body shut down and it was a very, very traumatic experience having that procedure done to have the gel um, put in. And I, f I felt bad for the women that were around me because we were in not a private room, but it was where, you know, people are just having normal testing done and things like that. And I, it was, it sounded horrific. It felt horrific. It was, you know, all these memories coming back and it was not how I wanted my birth to be going, obviously. And then when it, we got through that and I was like, okay, got it that got that done but then it was a few hours later and now they needed to check well now my body was like no <laughs> it was not like nothing was going to happen and um so they're like okay we need to do an epidural to be able because we have to check you so now not only am I having those feelings but now I'm also feeling guilt like I can't even allow my body to work 
to be able to give birth. And it was, it was a really hard thing to go through. So yeah, very, yeah, it was, it was hard. Lots of emotions. Lots of emotions. And having a child too. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to like, here I am, I'm doing this, like it's for my baby. Why can't I let my body do this? Like, why isn't it working? Why can't I, I'm safe. It's a doctor. It's fine. And this is the really frustrating thing about these PTSD responses, whether you're a survivor of childhood sexual abuse or physical abuse or neglect, whatever you have this PTSD response, this is something that's hardwired into your nervous system. This is not something that you're mentally in control of and can will yourself through. And a lot of people end up feeling very frustrated. Often the response is, well, what's wrong with me? Why can't I just get over this? And especially for people who have done the work in advance, you know, they said, well, I went to therapy. I thought I was over this. I thought I was through it. I, I did all of this healing work. I thought I was ready to have kids. And I waited to have kids until I thought I was ready. And I didn't know. I didn't know that this would come up when I had children. And parenting is triggering for anybody. It's a very challenging job. It, it will touch every button you have inside your body and more. And for people who have childhood trauma, just the buttons are a lot bigger. Mm-hmm. So each stage of parenting brings its own challenges. What are some of the common triggers and concerns survivor parents face at each stage of parenting? Mm-hmm. So we talked a little bit about some of the concerns before becoming a parent. Often people who are survivors of childhood abuse say, I don't even want to become a parent because I don't think I'm equipped to do that with my history. A couple of the people who contributed writing to the book Parenting with PTSD had never planned to become parents. And then life had other plans for them and suddenly they were facing something that they felt completely inequipped to deal with. And then you have this experience of childbirth for those who go through childbirth. And that in itself, as we've said, especially for survivors of sexual abuse, can be very triggering. But for survivors of any kind of physical abuse, the, the physical sensations of pregnancy and labor can be very traumatizing. And then you've got this new baby and you're not getting any sleep, which never does anybody good for their mental health. Absolutely not. <laughs> and... The baby is on you all the time and you don't have the physical space that that you are used to having. Breastfeeding can be triggering and we actually had one writer contribute an article to Parenting with PTSD that specifically talked about how breastfeeding was a physical reminder of her sexual abuse and in this culture, thankfully, I, think, I really believe it's starting to shift now, but the, for quite a long time, there's been a real push for breast is best. And a lot of women who are survivors of sexual assault and childhood sexual abuse have been bullied into breastfeeding by people who honestly didn't understand what that would do to their mental health. That's been a big one. Now you move into the toddler phase and you've got tantrums and disciplining Now, this can be an especially difficult phase for people who had violent parents who were abusive towards them because it is so hard to keep your cool in the face of a tantruming toddler in the middle of the grocery store or wherever it is they choose to lose it. And you want to discipline your child and you know you want to discipline them differently than you were disciplined. But again, you're dealing with the fight, flight, freeze response, which is beyond your control And you can find yourself in this just blind rage as your toddler is losing it. 
and trying to figure out how you work through your own emotional reactions while your toddler is having their tantrum. And that can be a big one. And I can remember that one for myself with my first son when he was about two years old and he went through this hitting phase for a few months. I was holding him in my arms and he slapped me across the face and instantly I was in the middle of a block party and I said, somebody needs to take my kid away from me right now. And I passed him off to a neighbor and I ran off to a private space and just sobbed and sobbed. And I was horrified. I thought, oh dear God, have I given birth to a monster? Is my child going to be an abuser like the people who abused me? Am I going to be an abuser? Because I don't know if I can handle this. Mm-hmm. So that was a very scary moment for me. Mm-hmm. And then your kids grow up a little bit and you have to start letting them have a little bit of freedom and you have to leave them with other people. And that can be a really terrifying thing because you're thinking, is my child going to be safe? Will my child be abused like I was? There's also when your child reaches the age that you were when your abuse started is a huge trigger for people. It can be very enlightening to see just how young and innocent and naive you were. And you look at your child and you think, I can't believe somebody would do this to this young, innocent child. And then you realize somebody did that to me. And I just recently went through this with my older son. I was around age nine or 10 when my abuse started and he's 10 years old now. And it, uh, it brings it home on a whole different level that you really could never possibly process before you have kids of your own. So that's some of the ages and stages that you go through that at each age and stage, there's a, there's a new trigger that comes up for parents and um, a new issue that you have to face. And I think it's really important that we talk about all of these things because if somebody had just given me a heads up in advance and said, hey, just so you know, this might come up for you, I wouldn't have been completely blindsided by it. And it it would have normalized my response instead of making me feel like I'm crazy and I'm broken and there's something wrong with me, mm-hmm. which is how most survivors end up feeling. Mm-hmm. What is it about uh, these triggers that causes flashback or post-traumatic stress disorder response? So the three markers of trauma are that it's something that you can't see it coming. You can't do anything to control it. You don't know when it's going to end. Essentially, it's feeling helpless and hopeless. And any situation that mirrors that, that brings up that emotional reaction to inside of you is going to bring up that feeling again. I don't think there's anything in the world that can make anybody feel more helpless and hopeless than dealing with a toddler who's having a tantrum. (laughs) (laughs) That pretty much does it. So there's so many moments in parenting where you have that feeling of being helpless and hopeless because parenting is overwhelming and stressful. And it's going to bring up that feeling all over again of the feeling that you had when you were abused. And because your wiring in your brain has been damaged by the trauma, you can't tell the difference between what's happening now and what was happening then inside of your body. It still feels the same, even if logically you can say to yourself, well, I know this is different. But what we know now about trauma is that trauma doesn't just reside in the brain. It also lives in the body you will have physical sensations and emotions that come up inside of your body 
And when you can start to listen to your body, which is, can be really challenging for a trauma survivor, often because there has been so much trauma inside the body, um, trauma survivors have gotten used to numbing, dissociating, basically ignoring their bodies or overriding their body's sensations as much as possible. So even to start feeling your own physical sensations inside your body can be very scary because you're used to not living inside your body because that was what you did to survive before you had kids. Unfortunately, after you have kids, that's not really an option. So everything gets triggered and you have to recreate your coping mechanism? Exactly. I think often from what I hear talking to survivors throughout the process of working on this book is, well, before I had kids, here were my coping mechanisms. I would numb out, often with alcohol or pot or whatever was at hand, uh, food, drama. <laughs> drama is a great one to create not Create a bigger <laughs> problem somewhere else. Create another problem. Create a different problem. A different a problem. Distraction. Distra yeah. Yes, Distraction, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so numbing and uh, avoidance are the two big ones, just... Avoiding any situation where you know you might feel triggered um, is really common. And again, after you become a parent, those two mechanisms just don't work anymore because you have to be present to be with your kid and you have this desire. You're like, I know I want to be a better parent than what I experienced growing up, so I don't want to numb out, but I don't know how to be here. And that's a really scary place to be. What led you to create the book uh, Parenting with Post-Traumatic Disorder? After I had my second son, I went into a really brutal postpartum depression. The depression actually started even while I was pregnant with him. I mentioned earlier about the round ligament pains. And then I had these painful, uh, non-progressive false labor pains. Every step of the way, for some reason, with that pregnancy was different than with my first pregnancy. I went into a really dark place with my depression. I can remember having thoughts about letting myself fall down the stairs and see how hard I could get hurt. Maybe I could get hurt enough to go to the hospital. Then I could get a break. And I can remember having thoughts where I would be pushing my son's stroller up the hill to my son's school. And I would think, well, maybe if I just, I could just let go of the stroller and it would be an accident. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I'm not doing so good here. No. <laughs> um, and I finally started talking to first a couple of my friends and then finally to my husband. I said, I'm, I'm having thoughts about suicide because I feel unsafe all the time. And I knew that these feelings were very much related to my childhood sexual abuse. And I looked around for resources because I remember when I was first... 19 years old looking into therapy you know I read like the courage to heal and, and read these different books and I went to counseling so I'm like there's got to be a book about this for when you become a parent right because let's look at the statistics there's a lot of people who've experienced abuse the numbers say one in three has experienced some kind of childhood abuse That That's, is very high. That is a lot of people. So they, most of those people are going to grow up and become parents. That's just the numbers. And yet I could find books about attachment parenting and about how to make my own baby food and about all of these things that I thought were <laughs> really inconsequential. Uh, but I couldn't find a book that talked about how to parent when you've experienced childhood trauma 
And I, I couldn't believe there wasn't a book out there about that. And then I, you know, looked on the internet and I couldn't find even one single piece of information. And then one night I was reading an article on the website Scary Mommy. And it was titled, How to Raise a Girl as a Survivor. And instantly I thought, oh my God, somebody's actually talking about this. And it was written by this woman, Dawn Dom, and she lived in New York. And she had just recently herself started writing about this stuff as it was coming up for her while she was parenting. And she went through the same search that I had gone through. And she said, I, I looked for the books. I looked for the articles. I couldn't find it anywhere. And she said, how can we be the parents we want to be when we can't even talk about this stuff? We need to be talking about this. Mm-hmm. And I sent her an email and I'm like, hey, I'm a complete stranger who lives in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to write a book with me? <laughs> That is so courageous from you. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> wow. And I, I look back now and it's wild because I had, I had just released my first children's book, Princess Monsters from A to Z. I was having the launch party in like a week. I was about to have this huge art show. And I'm thinking the last thing I needed at that point in my life was another project. And I'm, my poor husband <laughs> probably just <laughs> shaking his head going, really? <laughs> You're going to take on more right now? <laughs> But she said yes, and we both just had this passion and this desire to collect other survivor stories. We knew Don and I are both survivors of childhood sexual abuse, but we knew that survivors of all kinds of childhood abuse all have this bond of common experience. And we knew that we were all struggling with these triggers that came up when we were parenting. And we knew it was really, really important to tell these stories. Mm-hmm. And that's how it started. Wow. How has this book helped parenting survivors? You know, it's really neat. I just got an email from a friend of mine who is a social worker. She leads a a group of trauma survivors. And she said, Joyelle, I was reading passages from your book to my group of trauma survivors. What I hear from the people who read this book is, I'm just so grateful to hear that I'm not alone. And to hear that what I'm going through is normal for somebody with my trauma history. That's the big thing people are saying to us all the time. I thought it was crazy. I thought I was broken. I thought there was something wrong with me. And when we can look at your trauma history and say, in the face of what you've experienced, these triggers, these anxieties, this depression... All of these things that you're experiencing are normal because of what you experienced and to be expected. Mm -hmm. Then they can relax into it and go, oh, so it's not me. One of the greatest injuries that results out of childhood abuse is the belief that you are somehow responsible for it and that there is something defective inside of you that causes this to happen. And that unconscious belief affects you throughout your entire life. Mm -hmm. And what we are saying to people with this book is... There is absolutely nothing wrong with you at all. And that is such a weight lifted off of the shoulders. It brings a a waves of peace, right? And calm. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What is the uh, adverse childhood experience study and uh, how can it help survivors? So the adverse childhood experiences study 
looked at how many types of childhood trauma you had experienced and they had a 10 point scale and you just checked off yes to however many of those you had experienced. And then they measured that against lifetime markers for uh, chronic health issues, for addiction, other mental health issues such as depression, anxiety. And what the study found was that the higher your ACE score, which is on a score from you know zero to 10 of how many kinds of trauma you'd experienced as a child, the more likely it was that not only would you struggle with chronic health, addictions, mental health issues, but it, at the higher end of your ACE score, it could shorten your lifespan by up to 20 years. So 20 years. Yeah. So what I'd like people to know about the ACE study is, first of all, it can be really empowering to know what your ACE score is. And if you go on to our website, go to parentingwithptsd.com on our resource page, we have a link there at the very top to uh, aces2high.com and you can click on that and they have the ACE study there. You can check out what your ACE score is. This is important information for you to have and to share with the people who are involved in your healthcare over your lifetime. And unfortunately, it's not common practice yet for healthcare practitioners to um, ask this information. So also on our website, on our resource page, I've created a little form that you can use and take into your doctor so that you can share that information with them and help them incorporate that into your care plan as you move forward. It's, um, it's getting more common, thankfully. We just actually here in Vancouver had a large conference about how ACEs impact health care over a lifetime. And there were a whole bunch of doctors and politicians and people from the community there talking about how this information can be incorporated. So I'm very excited for how this research is coming out now and how our greater understanding of how trauma impacts the brain and body over the lifetime. I think there's going to be a lot of healing in the next little while. So Joelle, what advice do you have for someone who either is a parent survivor themselves or is the partner of a parent survivor? So first of all, I think it's really important to find someone who you trust and disclose your childhood abuse to them. I have talked to many people who have never told anyone, including their spouses, that they're a survivor of childhood abuse. And if the people who love you don't know about that, that they can't support you. So it's really important to do that. And that can be a real challenge for a lot of people because a lot of us have tried to disclose and had very negative experiences with that over our lifetime. People who either flat out told us we were lying, which has happened to so many survivors, unfortunately, or who were just incapable of emotionally handling that information and would shut down or look away or change the conversation or minimize. So it might not be the easiest thing to do, but if you're in a long-term relationship with somebody and they don't know that you're a survivor, that's a really important piece of information. So that's, that's the first thing I would say is whoever are the closest people in your life, they need to know about that because this is going to impact you. The second thing I would say is start learning about how trauma impacts the brain. I have found for myself this has been such empowering information to understand. I didn't know before what PTSD really meant. 
even before I started this book, even when we started this book, I would never have said, oh, I have PTSD. It wasn't until we started collecting all of these stories of other parents, and so many of them said, I have a diagnosis of PTSD. And then they started listing off all of the things that that meant, and I saw myself. I thought, oh, <laughs> nobody has ever said that to me. And I, you know, I said, I've done the counseling thing. I've talked to people about my trauma history and nobody had ever said, hey, just so you know, PTSD is a pretty common reaction to this. And this is something you might be dealing with. I think that's really important is just to start reading up about what exactly PTSD is, how trauma impacts the brain so that you can start to see inside yourself when you are having a trauma reaction. I love that now I can turn to my husband and I can explain to him, hey, so just so you know, I'm really triggered right now and I might need a few minutes to calm myself down. And I did not have the understanding of that, the self-awareness of what was going on for a very long time. And I've been married for 20 years. So my husband has seen me through a lot of... Mm. (laughs) A lot of moments where I was having a trauma reaction, but I was not conscious that I was having a trauma reaction. The other two things that I recommend are looking into different kinds of therapies, especially what's called a somatic therapy, which is based in the body because talk therapy can only go so far when you're dealing with childhood trauma. You really need to get into healing the body memories and learning how to calm your body down. There's a lot of great information and we have, um, again, on, on our website and in the book, we have links to several different kinds of therapies and we're always trying to share information on our blog and on our Facebook page about people's experiences with different kinds of therapies and what works for them and what doesn't work for them and all that information. We try to get as much of that as possible. And then the last thing I would suggest is if you're looking actively for a therapist to work with, The first question you should always ask is, are you trauma-informed? Do you have trauma training? If they say yes, then say, where from? What does that mean? I don't want to hear you've had a weekend course. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, you want to know that they they understand the long-term impacts of trauma and how to work with patients who've experienced trauma. And that's really important. But coming back to my first point, which is always the most important, is you have to talk about it to somebody. Yeah. What is the next step for you and Dawn after releasing uh, the parenting with uh, PTSD? Well, Dawn and I both have the goal to talk to as many people as we humanly can about this, to raise more awareness. And that's one of the, the big goals is just to keep talking about this until it becomes common knowledge, because this is still very much on the fringes, this movement. We are really seeing a a resurgence right now with the Me Too movement of understanding about how trauma impacts people over a lifetime. And with uh, the ACEs conference, for example, happening in Vancouver, things like that, it's a very exciting time to see that things are going to be changing in the next little while and we want to be part of that movement. Mm -hmm. And the other big goal that Don and I have is to create a framework for a parent support network that would be for parents who are survivors of childhood abuse something that would work sort of similar to like an AA where this is something that could be used anywhere in the world and that people would be paired with a mentor who would support them through parenting 
and they would have a place to go once a month and have a meeting and talk to other people who are survivors and to just know that they're not alone because the best thing that came out of this whole experience this past three years of my life working on this book is my friendship with Dawn and having her to talk to mm-hmm. and meeting all of these other incredible people who wrote stories for the book. Um, Christine White, who uh, works at ACES Connection, and Jody uh, Ortega, who is another contributor to the book. All of these amazing women and men who contributed to this book have become people who I can turn to when I'm struggling. And and they just, you know, when somebody turns to you, no matter what you're going through in life, when somebody can turn to you and say, yeah, me too, I get it, I know, that is the most powerful medicine ever. Mm-hmm. How can people find out more about parenting with post-traumatic disorder? So come and hang out at our website. We've got lots of great information on there. You can go to parentingwithptsd.com. So what you'll find is there is a great resource page with links to other organizations who are doing work in this area. We have a blog where we feature writing by the editors and contributors to the book. And we also bring in uh, other experts in the field. We actually just had a great interview with Heather Tuba. Heather is actually the wife of a survivor, and she wrote a great free ebook about how to support your partner through um, the experience of parenting as a survivor, or not just parenting, but support your partner who is a survivor. So we do that. We share a lot of information there. So I hang out at our website, or you can also find Parenting with PTSD on Facebook. We share a lot of content there as well. And we're always trying to create more community and make more connections and help people get the information that they need so that they can heal. That's, that's just fantastic. Well, thank you, um, Joelle, for joining us today. Heather, I think it's time for a conversation card. It's time for a conversation card. Every week we like to play a game, not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask, sometimes silly and sometimes serious. Let's find out what it will be this week. Which animal would you love to be for a day? Oh, my God. oh, that's so easy. I have an obsession with butterflies. Aww. And I love that they just, they flutter around and they, they seem like they're just, they're not even going anywhere. You know, there's no direct line. It's just kind of like, let's just meander and see where we're going to end up. <laughs> so I would totally be a butterfly. Nice. Well, my favorite animal is the penguin, but I don't know if I'd actually want to be a penguin. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think, on, like, I have two cats. I think I'd really like to be a cat. They have a pretty amazing life. They are just cuddling and then playing and then sleeping and then eating and cuddling and playing and sleeping and eating. That sounds really great. It is. I I like all those things. I'm like, okay, maybe I could be a kitty cat for a day. (laughs) I think for me, I'd like to be a really, really big blue whale because... They travel the world, they go everywhere, and I think they're very gracious in movement. You know, when you see them jumping around, and they're, they can be so big and impactful, and the freedom of going anywhere you want. I think that's what I would pick. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that concludes today's episode. Thank you, Joel, for uh, sharing with us, for coming to talk to us about uh, your book, but about your experience and makes a difference in people's life. And thank you, Heather, for sharing your story. I know it's not easy for you. 
for our listeners. If you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, Google Play and Podbean. Or you can subscribe directly to this podcast on our website so you don't miss an episode of Parent Talk. Don't forget to rate and review us. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents by sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you everyone for listening and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.